Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Please welcome the president of the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Kevin Roberts. Thanks for that. You're very kind, and I'm glad you're all here and glad that many people have tuned in online. I get the great privilege of introducing two wonderful patriots of our age, and I'll, I'll do that momentarily. But just to frame today's conversation, ostensibly, it's about a really good book, a book that I just started reading this week and highly recommend it to you, not for the purposes of enriching the author at seven cents a piece, but because it's, it's a really good read, one that's both substantive and accessible. And that's important because the subject of that book, Big Tech, really is also about the First Amendment. And as a conservative for my entire life, someone who loves the free market, I understand the value of the free market, especially understanding that the free market properly understood is the outgrowth of a healthy society, a society that has healthy institutions like families and communities and virtuous businesses that also happen to love America. And so I highly recommend that book for you. And as you know, the Heritage Foundation this year has been leading the way among conservatives when it comes to pressuring Congress and state legislatures to take action against one of the enemies of free speech, and that's big tech. With that said, two of the people who are leading that very worthwhile fight are first, Kara Frederick, the director of tech policy here at the Heritage Foundation. You may see Kara on a number of TV shows, hear her on the radio. She's always worth listening to and watching because of her precision when it comes to the solutions that need to happen. And obviously I'm biased because she's a colleague here at Heritage, but you'll enjoy her moderating of the conversation with our other guest, also a good friend, and that's Congressman Ken Buck from the great state of Colorado, the author of said book. Would you please join me in welcoming both of them to the stage? So very, very interesting, I think, um, degree of scholarship, sir, that you brought to the big tech question. So everybody's talked about Twitter, the Twitter files, and We've talked about big tech, I think, just generally in our discourse for, for a long time. But I think Dr. Roberts talked very specifically about the idea of precision. And what I thought was very, very interesting about your take and your precise take on this is the free market aspect of it. And I, I found it fascinating. You did a, a podcast called The American Moment. And I listened to some of your responses about the free market, because as conservatives, we we are, you know, allergic to anyone talking about the free market in less than glowing terms. But I would really like you to explain what you mean by the anti-competitive practices of these big tech companies and how they relate to what I would say is a warping of the free market. Because to me, that was the most convincing aspect of the fight against big tech and your particular take on it, which I really hadn't heard before. Well, care if I first can introduce uh, my chief of staff, Zach, and Isabella and Joe, who are working on this issue and, and trying to uh, convince our side of the aisle, now that we're in the majority, that we need to 
get some good things done. And I, I really appreciate all the work that the staff did, not in writing the book, ethics committee, not in writing the book, but in uh, helping with the project for the last three or four years. Um, so uh, it, it's really fascinating when you go back to what our founders had to say about monopolies. The East India Company was a monopoly, and they were uh, so upset about how the East India Company was dominating uh, the marketplace, and there were uh, some illegal products here, but the British government basically said that tea is only to be sold by this one company, and so they were absolutely against monopolies, so much so that they had a conversation uh, between uh, Jefferson and Madison, and, and Madison said it's ridiculous to think in our country of freedom that we'll ever have a business monopoly. Little did they anticipate e-commerce and social media and, and issues like that. But um, I don't think you can have a free market for business without having a free marketplace of ideas. And though that's where the, where the two come together is really the issue for me. Um, and that's why it's so important when we're talking about companies that disseminate information, that we make sure that we have that free marketplace of ideas um, and we have competition in the business marketplace. Now, the pushback that, that I've gotten, that I'm sure you've gotten, is many people will say, oh, Twitter, you know, it doesn't even have the three billion users that, that say Facebook has. And if you don't want to be on Twitter, don't be on Twitter. You know, what they're doing is not necessarily affecting um, political outcomes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you and I know that to not be true, clearly. But what would you say to the people who are basically... Um, frankly, poo-pooing the idea that these companies are so integral to how we speak as Americans, to our culture of free speech as Americans? Yeah, I, I would say one word, parlor. You know, they were able to take parlor down in a matter of a few days. Um, there's plenty of evidence that, that uh, federal law enforcement has uh, accumulated that shows that uh, Twitter was being used at the Capitol on January 6th, that Facebook was being used um, before uh, January 6th. Parler wasn't unique in its position. They just decided it was a conservative competitor and they wanted to take it out. And January 6th provided the perfect opportunity for Amazon Web Services and, and uh, Apple and, and the others to just wipe them off the face of the earth. So how do you have free speech? How do you have uh, competition in the marketplace when you've got four companies that are so big that they can wipe out any kind of competitor? And and that's how I kind of look at it. There's, there's degrees of gradation here and... and common speak, but also in the tech world, we talk about the digital stack, where you have your, your application layers sitting on top of your mid-tier cloud hosting platforms, and then more foundational layers like ISPs, et cetera. And I think it is a matter of access, because you have, again, all your digital platforms, your Twitters, your Facebooks, et cetera, Amazon Web Services that you talked about, which it matters if they can pull access, Americans' ability to even see information. So sort of a, a degree of manifestation, like when Twitter was breaking uh, links in the DMs to um, the Hunter Biden laptop story. So I think there's, there's an access issue here that most people don't necessarily account for. Um, that brings me to a new digital platform uh, that I think is very interesting, TikTok. So we'll talk about fixes, legislative solutions, but also what the grassroots can do. But TikTok, what is your take on that platform? Uh, frankly, emanating out of China, ByteDance parent company. I'd, I'd like to hear your take on this new issue in big tech. Well, so Senator Hawley had a bill in the Senate, and I had a bill in the House that, that uh, prohibited uh, TikTok from being used on government uh, phones because it is clearly a tool that the Communist Party in China is using to monitor U.S. behavior and, and individual uh, U.S. data. The uh, President Trump issued an executive order that took care of that. 
Um, and, and I think it, the, uh, the Omni had some language in there. But TikTok is, is dangerous, not because of its competition in the marketplace. Um, I think it's healthy in that sense. If, if, if Microsoft or some company had bought it, um, I'd be all in favor of that kind of competition uh, for, for Facebook. But the uh, bottom line is how it's being used by an adversary is, is dangerous and concerning. Yep, I completely agree. Um, you talked about competition in the marketplace. Um, you and I had a phone call after we released our, our big tech uh, paper, and you said, I read it, here's where I disagree with you. Uh, and I can't say you were wrong at this point, but, but you said you're, you're talking about the, the consumer welfare standard. And our idea in the paper was, you know, we have to clarify how the consumer welfare standard applies to zero price markets. Because economists are, you know, they're used to looking at things with that dollar sign. And, you know, they live and die by the dollar sign on the x-axis and, you know, how it benefits consumer because of the money that they do or they don't have in their pockets. Um, tech is much different. Uh, it's, it's definitely when people say, if you don't know uh, what the product is, you are the product. If it's free, you're the product. Um, so how would you look at the consumer welfare standard in this new environment with these big tech companies effectively giving their services away, but with an asterisk? So um, it's a fascinating issue to me. If you, if you look at uh, sort of monopoly law generally, we, we, we uh, Congress, um, before my time, believe it or not, in the 1800s, passed the Sherman Act, mm -hmm. and then 1913, the Clayton Act, and then said to the courts, go figure this out. We're going to pass this general law. You, you apply these facts to our, our sense of what uh, a monopoly is and competition should be. Uh, you go figure it out. Um, and that was post-Industrial Revolution or certainly during the Industrial Revolution. Um, and then we had the new revolution of, of information. And, and so the, uh, the, the consumer welfare standard, the Chicago School, Robert Bork creates this standard Nobody anticipated e-commerce. Nobody anticipated where we would be today. And so the courts have all this precedent, and they have to, you know, uh, uh, they have to abide by, respect the precedent that is there. Well, now the, the, the economy has changed to such a degree that Congress needs to step up and update the law. And, and that's one of the things that we don't like to do because we, we make enemies when we do that, and we lose votes when we do that. Um, and I mean, these companies... In, in one month, they spent $36 million in members' districts saying what terrible bills my bills were. They didn't mention me by name, thankfully. But, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's a very difficult uh, job uh, to update laws that have been around for a long time that have judicial precedent that is uh, important. But it's also our job. That's what Article I is all about of the Constitution. We should be legislating, not giving the courts that, uh, that job. And so... I think that, that the, the bills that we're going to talk about or that are in the book and that, that have been in Congress are the kinds of bills that create the competitions that's necessary to update uh, the law and where we are. I agree with you. And right before we get to the bills, I, I do want to uh, have you do my work for me uh, and sort of let me know what is your vision of how conservatives should look at antitrust going forward? Because you know, we, we don't, we shy away from a lot of these questions. We tend to apply old frameworks to, to what I think are, are brand new issues. Uh, people would disagree, but I don't think anybody can 
not say that the world is shifting uh, prodigiously given the rise of these new companies and frankly what they're visiting upon the American people. So how should a conservative then think about antitrust and um, you know your package of bills uh, went, got passed in the Omni, um, we at Heritage Action uh, supported that those three bills, the merger filing fee under the Merger Filing Fee Modernization Act. Um, so, so can you sort of give us an outline with how you see the conservative antitrust future? Sure. I, I, as Kevin said, um, you know, Kevin is a free market guy, but he's in favor of updating these laws. And I'm sure you're a free market person. I'm a free market person. Um, I apply that principle to just about everywhere. But if you don't have a market, you can't have a free market. And when Google controls 94% of the searches, um, online searches in this country, you don't have a free market. And, and if Google decides they like Joe Biden and they don't like Donald Trump, they'll do just what they did in June of 2020 and suppress all the positive stories on Donald Trump and, and emphasize the, the negative stories on Donald Trump and do the opposite with Joe Biden. They affect the outcome of elections because there is no free market. So we've got to deal with the competition issue first, and then we get to the marketplace of ideas, which is uh, these companies. I don't really care if the Washington Post says something bad about me. They do, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that they do once a week because that means I'm relevant, but they do at least once a month. And, and the uh, reality is that the Washington Times or the Washington Examiner or the New York Post can, can rebut that and say something nice uh, about the issue for me. Um, uh, we don't care in newspapers because we have competition if a newspaper looks slanted. We don't care with cable news if, if a cable news channel looks slanted um, because we have Fox and Newsmax and, and others out there. And so the, the idea that Google can, can dominate in the way it dominates is what's so dangerous about where we are right now. Yeah, and I think it's also important to, to talk about the, the NC State study that found that the majority of conservative candidates, their emails went to spam, whereas Democratic candidates, you know, were largely left alone in the 2020 election cycle. Um, and to really put a finer point on, you know, when we say election interference and political outcomes uh, we think have been tampered with by the actions of these companies, um, you know, there, there's actual polling to indicate that that is true. Even, you know, 52% of likely voters directly after the election said because of information that was suppressed, the, that constitutes election interference. One in six Biden voters, again, because social media companies directly suppressed certain stories, they said they would have changed their votes. These are polls. There's, there's additional ones as well. So we do know that there are political implications for what these tech companies do, especially when it's intensifying during election cycles. Um, right again, before we get to solutions, I can't help myself, the Twitter files. So what, a lot of what people have complained about is, um, uh, certain people call it jawboning, you know, the government sort of nudging social media companies to, to do things. Uh, we've seen with the Twitter files and these actual documents to, to indicate that the government was effectively strong arming uh, these, especially Twitter. Uh, but we know this is happening, you know, on my old place of business at Facebook, um, probably happening in, in Google, YouTube wise, et cetera. So what would you say to uh, people who, who now are saying, OK, this might be a, a First Amendment violation when you have the government telling companies to police the speech of Americans and particular Americans at that? Yeah, I think anytime you've got state action, you're looking at First Amendment issues. And, and I think that um, it's clear from what Elon Musk has released that, uh, especially in the COVID area, the government was trying to suppress certain ideas. Uh, Berenson at the New York Times is a perfect example of that. Uh, and, and there are many others. Um, you know, I talk about in, in the book how Rand Paul was treated on social media 
Now, you've got a United States senator engaged in a debate with an executive uh, uh, official, Dr. Fauci, and for some reason that was dangerous to the American public to hear, a, 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 not just a United States senator, but a medical doctor engaged in this debate. So it, it got to the point of being ridiculous because the government uh, was, was involved in it. And I think uh, there are other uh, theories that are uh, floating around in the court system right now on how you can uh, approach this issue and uh, try to um, sort of, I mean, most of us, our instinct is to say, well, it's a private company. You know, who cares? It's their business, their stockholders, their board of directors. They, they'll, they'll decide what, uh, what is good speech, what is bad speech. Um, and the, uh, the, the judicial precedent out there suggests otherwise, that railroads have been treated a certain way because they got a government benefit, not even government direction, but just a government benefit. And so I think that we're going to be uh, seeing those theories come forward. But again, it, it, it sort of... Uh, avoids the Article One reality that we should be doing the job and not leaving it up to the courts to uh, create something over the next 30 years. Speaking of Congress doing their jobs, um, House... We did a great job with the speakers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, seamless, easy. Uh, <laughs> Just what McCarthy thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes, um, I, a little humility is good for everyone, I guess. Uh, so when it comes to House, you know, Republicans got it. Uh, one of your big jobs, oversight. Um, investigations. Do you think that anyone will face consequences for what happened with the Twitter files actually revealed? Oh, I do. I, I think that um, I think that both judiciary uh, under antitrust as well as ENC with Section 230 will be looking at the uh, the not just the actions of Twitter, but but all the uh, social media companies. I think, uh, and I think there, you know, we we have uh, Elon Musk in there uh, trying to do the right thing. I think for the right reasons. Um, we, we don't have somebody at Facebook, we don't have somebody at Amazon, Apple, uh, Google, um, but that's where Congress should be coming in and making sure that we subpoena issues. I mean, when, when um, uh, Facebook bought Instagram, we've got uh, emails uh, between Zuckerberg and another person saying, we can't let this happen. They'll compete with us if we don't buy them. You know, that, that's pretty good evidence. I, I'm sure that Paxton in Texas appreciates uh, emails like that, but our job is to make sure the public knows about the dangers of, of what these companies are doing in the marketplace. Yeah, and I think that's, that's very underreported. You know, you'll have the guys at the All In podcast. They'll give some information about the inner workings of Silicon Valley and sort of a, what they call and what I found to be true when I was there was it's an open secret that these companies will they'll uh, acquire smaller ones, innovative ones, just to kill them. They'll look at engineers who are really, really good, these programmers uh, who are flying, and they'll put them in a corner to color so they can't create the new business that effectively would disrupt their own or at least a cut into their momentum. Um, I think that's harmful, frankly, to national security. Um, and you know, you, you have a, a decent background in national security. And you know, how, how are we going to compete at the world stage? We talked, we talked about China uh, before, but if Silicon Valley is not necessarily, if they're not the engines of innovation that they claim to be, and really they're squelching these new entrants and these smaller competitors, how are we going to compete with China uh, when Silicon Valley is acting the way that it does? Well, it's, it's a great question because uh, we are not going to have lower labor costs than China. And we are not going to have lower energy costs with our energy regulations that are being put in place. We're not going to have lower energy costs. And, and if you look at all of the different costs, we're going to have higher costs to manufacture and create in this country than, than China. The one thing that we can do better than anybody in the world is innovate. 
And if we t uh, if we allow a few companies to uh, crush in a, it's a good word yeah. to crush innovation, crush everyone <laughs> available outside. <laughs> Um, it, it, it will really stifle our competitiveness in, in the world economy. And so uh, we, we know that when Amazon, uh, when a product is selling really well on Amazon, the uh, Amazon folks take notice and they go out and they duplicate the product and then they start to sell it. Well, the investment in that original product dries up immediately because everybody knows that if Amazon has a product, it's going to put its product at the top of the page and its competitor on page three, and it's going to crush its competitor. And so the, uh, the, the, the marketplace reacts to these monopolies in a way that we don't want as free market advocates. And I think there's an analogy here uh, when you look at the, the greater landscape, and we all know the middle class is being crushed right now, given everything that's happening coming down from the Biden administration. You know, when, when you have a government seeking to regulate. Um, and it has to be done in, in a way I think that is that is precise and that is good. Um, you have good and precise uh, legislative fixes uh, in your book. Can you talk about some of those? And you don't necessarily have to rank them, but I'll ask you which one you think is most important later. So whatever Mike Lee likes, I like. <laughs> Same. I, I, uh, and, and Mike doesn't like all the legislative fixes yep. in there, but, but there's one that I think is really important, and that is Google dominates ad sales. Mm -hmm. It dominates ad buys, and it bought the the uh, um, ad tech, which controls the, the the marketplace for sales and buys. If that isn't a monopoly, I don't know what is. And so, um, uh, basically, in uh, in the Texas suit alleges that that Google and and uh, Facebook entered into an agreement. Yes. That that's something that the courts have to uh, and they'll have to prove. I'm not suggesting that I know any information that that's true or not, but. The, uh, the bill that Mike has introduced in the Senate and I've introduced in the House um, on that uh, allows Google to uh, continue to work on one of the three sides, but not all three sides. Yeah. Uh, the same with Facebook. Now, a small company can work on all three sides if it can possibly compete in that marketplace, but uh, it would basically uh, restrict uh, Google's activities um, in, in that uh, selling, buying uh, marketplace of, of ads. So I think that is uh, one of the most important bills because Google is really the, um, I don't want to use the word evil, but I will. Um, it, it, is, it is the company that has the greatest threat to speech, in my opinion, in, in, the, in the market. I think Facebook eventually will get competitors like TikTok and others, I, Instagram. I think that, uh, um, you know, Apple will... Uh, have its competition. Um, Amazon is an, a fascinating company because its retail side doesn't make money. It's 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 subsidized by the web service side. The web service side is uh, makes up most. I don't know if it's most, but a huge portion of its money by by government contracts. So uh, there are answers uh, to some of the other companies, but Google really is uh, dangerous, and that's why I think that ad tech bill is the most important. Okay, so you would say Google is probably the worst offender when it comes to all of this. I, I, I think it is. And, and look, I, I give these folks credit. They're geniuses. You know, they saw something that the rest of us didn't see or we would have been, you know, uh, launching ourselves up to the moon. They, they are able to uh, dominate in an area. So I'm not sure that they are um, uh, bad. They're just taking advantage of something to an extent. And, and what's ironic is they started these companies in their garage. I mean, literally, Bezos had books selling out of his garage. Um, and the next person that wants to start a business in the garage won't be able to because they'll be crushed by these, these companies. So I think it's, uh, th that is the most important bill. There are other bills 
Um, uh, Senator Blackburn has a bill on um, apps and, and making sure, uh, you know, the, the uh, app store charges a 30% surcharge if you compete with their product. So uh, they have Apple Music and you have Spotify. Spotify has to pay a 30% surcharge. So um, to not discriminate in that area would allow more competition also. I would like to get your take on, I think one of the things that I hear the most when we go out to states, our tech team will testify at state legislatures, we'll talk to uh, a lot of just regular Americans on the ground. And number one, the first thing they say is, yes, big tech censorship. We know we're being censored. We don't know exactly how. We can't prove it. Elon Musk has given us some window into how it's done. Uh, what I don't think most of Americans understand is a lot of these companies live and die by the internal tools that they're consistently building on a day-to-day -day basis and tweaking. And you know, sometimes that has the effect accidentally of suppressing certain things. Sometimes it's very deliberate. But the second thing I always hear is our kids. What are we going to do about the effect that these companies, these devices, have on our children? Um, I know there's a, a couple legislative proposals out there. But what is your take on, number one, what it's doing to our society and our next generation of citizens. I think there's a civic aspect here. And then number two, just the deleterious effects on, uh, you know, as conservatives, we don't gripe too much about mental health. You know, we're, we're tough and we rub some dirt in it and that's how it works. But at the same time, we can't deny that these issues are manifesting at hospitals, girls, verbal tics when they look at TikTok, et cetera. What is your take on, number one, uh, the, the civic impact, potential civic impact, and number two, what it's doing to, frankly, the health of, of our children and especially our, our young ladies? Um, it's terrible. Uh, and, and again, um, the, the answer is to give parents choices. The answer is back in, in competition. But um, we know that Instagram recognized that uh, there was body shaming going on. There was depression among teenage girls. There was higher suicide rate among teenage girls, and they doubled down. They didn't just say, we've got to deal with this issue. They decided they were going to start marketing to a younger group of, of young ladies, of, of girls. And so, uh, and, and again, there's, there's a profit motive. I get the profit motive, but at some point, you've got to hold companies responsible for that kind of action so that there isn't a profit in making uh, those decisions. But uh, I get on the elevator. I'm looking at a lot of young people here, actually, but I get on the elevator in, in, in the Capitol, or, and every kid is like this. And so I am just an obnoxious person by, by habit, and so I all, always say, good morning, how are you? Isn't it beautiful out today? In Colorado, we have sun, but this is a really great sky here in D.C. I love gray. It's my favorite color. And, and, and they look at me like, you're disturbing me. I was on my account, and... But, but yeah, the addiction is, is just devastating because we lose the ability to actually interact and have uh, the, the, the most basic, I think we learned during COVID that when you isolate people, we have really bad social outcomes. And I, I worry about that. And I don't blame social media. Again, I want parents to be able to say, you're not going on Instagram. You're going on XYZ because XYZ only has shots from the shoulders up and you're not going to be body shamed as much or, or whatever the answer is. But, but when Instagram buys everybody and sticks them on the shelf so they don't have competition, we, we end up with problems. I, I completely agree. And I think um, generally it's something that we're going to have to grapple with for many, many years to come. So uh, thank you for, for doing the hard work. But could you give us the inside scoop into, uh, frankly, what Republicans 
can do about all of this, because we know that there's been a lot of um, contentiousness about Section 230 reform, um, OAMA, as we talked about, even the Kids Online Safety Act, um, the data privacy and surveillance bills that are coming out. You know, tell us about the art of the possible from where you're sitting, because Frankly, you know, we see a lot of fighting uh, from our end. We're, we're giving our policy recommendations. We're trying to give uh, people the best ideas, but we don't know what's actually going to happen and what, what can happen. You have uh, clearly a much better vantage. Uh, we have the luxury of, you know, spitting good ideas out and, you know, you guys do the, the work in the implementing. So can you tell us what the implementing could actually look like? Uh, sure, but let me, let me back up and let's blame the Democrats a little bit here. Easy day. <laughs> um, you know, we had good bills, we had good hearings, we had good investigations, we put good information out there, uh, and, and we built a, a strong coalition, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer didn't let anything go forward. They let a, a bill of basically three procedural issues go forward, but the substantive bills didn't move. Um, if you look at what the Democrats and you look at what these companies have done, it, it's very typical to run commercials in, in uh, districts, okay? We, we get that. And it's typical to give $5,000 checks out from PACs to, to people. We get that. What's, what's unusual is the number of uh, uh, children, of members, who are employed by these companies. That's what blows you away with these companies. Um, Zoe Lofgren's daughter works for Amazon. Zoe Lofgren introduced every single time we had that 29-hour hearing, um, Zoe Lofgren was introducing poison pill amendments to try to kill those bills, proudly. Um, you know, she sits down um, at Thanksgiving dinner with Jeff, Jeff Bezos' mouthpiece. And so that, that's dangerous. Nancy Pelosi's husband invests in these companies the week before our hearing, and it just so happens that Steny Hoyer, the majority leader, stands up the day, or two or three days after our hearing when these bills are all uh, uh, put out because I don't think they thought we were going to pass most of these bills, but when, they, when these bills passed the, the Judiciary Committee, Steny Hoyer says they're not ready for the floor. The stock price goes up. He made about $2.5 million off of his investment um, in, in some of these tech companies that were, that were under investigation. So some of the progressives, to their credit, said we can't allow members to invest in individual stocks. Nancy Pelosi was opposed to that. I wonder why. And then you got Chuck Schumer, two daughters working for tech companies, two daughters. So, I mean, his Thanksgiving dinner is, is really, he's got a, a big headache because Facebook and Apple or whoever they work for, um, you know, they may not agree on everything. So, so now you've got real competition going on at his Thanksgiving dinner. But, but yeah, the, the idea that these companies can come in and influence policy because they have so much money uh, is, is, is frightening. And so let's just put that in perspective. The Democrats had the White House, the Senate, and the House, and they did nothing to increase competition in this area. What they ultimately want to do, which is the scary thing, and anybody who's on the fence on this issue should keep this in mind, what they ultimately want to do is they want a government agency to decide what kind of speech is appropriate on the internet. And if you think that's a good idea, then you think we should do nothing in this area and just let the uh, courts and the marketplace take care of it. It scares the heck out of me to think that we're going to have some bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. decide this is appropriate for the market, for the uh, internet. Um, but what I think is possible in the House, um, I, I, one of the reasons I wrote this book, the main reason I wrote this book, 
is to make sure that we get, thank you, um, <laughs> that we get the word out on this issue. And I want to go around the country and speak on this issue and make sure people understand the threat that big tech poses to speech in, in America. And my job is to convince Republicans that we need to do something, that we can't sit back and just wait because the outcomes are going to be really bad for us if we do. We won't win a presidential election if, if uh, Zuckerberg is spending $400 million in, in presidential elections and Google is suppressing uh, conservative ideas in, in presidential elections. We can't overcome that burden, um, even with Sleepy Joe. It just is almost impossible to, to get that done. So. Um, I think it is uh, incumbent on me and incumbent on other Republicans to, to get on board and figure out how to get this done. Now, it doesn't mean every bill is going to pass, but some of these bills have to pass in the next two years. How are we going to pass uh, Schumer and his daughters? I don't know. Well, in, in the meantime, is there anything, what can we do? What can the people in this room do? What can people in your district do? What can those of us at the grassroots who, you know, we will try to influence policy within the companies themselves, like you said, more user control, more choices, um, you know, looking at algorithmic impacts and having them tweak that. Um, I, I think that's important for the companies top down to, to work on these issues too. But what can American citizens do in the meantime while we're waiting for some legislative action out of the Hill? Yeah, so one of the reasons these companies are so uh, powerful is because they are really good. Yeah. You know, Google has the best search engine. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, spend a little more time and be a little more patient and use a different search engine. It doesn't mean you can't go into your closet today and say, oh, uh, we're low on toilet paper. I'll go to the store or I'll order something that will be here in a week as opposed to next day delivery with Amazon. You, you actually can have a, an impact on the marketplace with your personal choices. And, and one of the things I advocate for in this book is it's, it's up to you. It's up to you to con uh, you know, uh, contact your congressman and say, have you thought about these bills? Have you thought about how dangerous big tech is? I can't, I can't tell you how many people I talked to, my colleagues, Republican colleagues, and I said, you know, uh, this is really dangerous. Amazon uh, video is, is not allowing these movies on and on and on. And, and they said, yeah, but Ken, I have an Amazon facility in my district. No kidding. I thought you were a United States congressman. I didn't realize that you were just a congressman for Amazon. Um, and so we have, we have challenges with our side, but um, citizens can impact that. If congressmen feel like it's going to cause me more pain than pleasure, they will do what, what Pavlov said. That makes sense to me, at least. Um, last thing before we go to Q&A, what is the one thing I, I thought this was Q&A, by the way. Oh, yeah, I mean, basically. <laughs> when the audience uh, needs to, to get a voice, of course, what is the one thing that you think could happen with regard to the general big tech problem in the 118th Congress? Uh, well, I, I hope that the ad tech bill uh, gets passed. That, that's what I'm, I'm hoping. I think that will have an impact. And, I, and here's one of the things that, that is also happening. I talked about how uh, Congress has the Article I responsibility to legislate. Um, the courts aren't stupid. Yeah. They are listening. And the more we bring out, the more Elon Musk brings out, but the more we bring out evidence and the more we're able to influence public opinion, uh, the courts are going to move on the consumer welfare standard in a way that will update it to what we're, what we're looking at. So I think one of the most important things we do is to continue to inform and educate and, and to make sure that the courts see that we get it and um, we may have some issues in getting to 218 in the House and getting to 60 in the Senate, but we're going to get there. And, and if there are things that you can see 
that these companies have done that are anti-competitive, you should be, make sure that you apply the, the, the standards under the law, but you update those in a way that, that makes the marketplace more competitive. Awesome. All right. Now we have about 10 minutes for questions from the audience. So, Will, if you want to pick one. Peter Semmel with Amlex. My question is, you you, know, you seem you, you've just authored a book on antitrust on big tech. You have Amy Klobuchar who has her book on antitrust. How close will you be working with your counterpart in the Senate, Klobuchar, to get these deals, uh, get these laws into action? And what are your plans for the hearings and upcoming Congress? And will you be working together to make sure that you have the same subject matter on both the Senate and the House side? Thank you, sir. Uh, so every bill we introduced in the House, I think, had a companion bill in, in the Senate. So um, I work primarily with, with Mike Lee, um, but Mike works very closely with Amy. I talk to Amy, I don't want to say on a regular basis, but I talk to Amy um, more than uh, occasionally about uh, these bills. And um, the, the, I mean, it's obvious that it's bipartisan. Um, uh, David Cicilline from Rhode Island and I worked very closely on this. Mike and, and Amy worked very closely on it. And so... Um, it is also bicameral. Uh, we, we are not introducing bills and not messaging in the House in a way that's inconsistent in the Senate. So um, I think that if, if uh, the, the problem has always been leadership, it hasn't been, um, there, there is great support on the Judiciary Committee. Chuck Grassley is, uh, is amazing on, on this issue and has really pushed it. I know he's, um, I, I think, you know, focusing more on budget than, than uh, judiciary this next year, but uh, I, I think that uh, the, the bicameral nature of this is as strong as any uh, effort has been in, in at least my eight years in Congress. Jake, do you want to take one from this side? Hello, Congressman. Bartlett Clellan with Innovation Economy Institute. Uh, first of all, thank you for your leadership during the uh, uh, leadership debate. Uh, I saw your call. Uh, that McCarthy needed to make a deal or get out of the way, and I thought that was exactly right. We needed a third person in line for the presidency, so thank you. Um, I, I will say, honestly, uh, a quick moment. I'm a little aghast at throwing uh, people's kids under the bus. Um, as a longtime social conservative and family values guy, I would never attack someone else's kids. I think we can probably rise above that. Um, You're I, talking I would, about what I said about yeah, this? Yeah, I would never throw the military under the bus because of your son or business under the bus because of your daughter. So you might think on that a moment. Um, but my real question is uh, about your expression of following Mike Lee. I, I also love Mike Lee. Uh, he has a bill that would, um, and you're right, the legislature needs to step up in a lot of places. And one of those, I think, is in protecting the consumer welfare standard in antitrust. So are you going to sign on to his, or, or maybe you're already on, uh, uh, whatever the companion might be in the House, uh, uh, the bill that would enshrine that in antitrust law? So um, Mike and I have worked, uh, yes, is the answer to your question. The short answer. Um, uh, the the definition of the consumer welfare standard is what is uh, at play right here, and how broad it is to make sure that we're not protecting inefficient industries, but we are promoting competition. And so um, I have worked with Mike on on that issue, and and am on board with Mike in making sure that the consumer welfare standard is part of the analysis. It's broader than what some courts have interpreted. And what the FTC in the past has uh, hamstrung themselves with, which is just basically a price analysis, uh, we have to make sure it's broader than that, given the nature of e-commerce and, and social media. Uh, but it is uh, it is something that I, I am absolutely on board with, Mike. Hello, 
Hello, Georgiana Constantine Park with CNS News. I wonder if the problem hasn't been um, wrongly identified. Perhaps the problem is not big tech, but the government. Because we're talking about crony capitalism, we know that if monopolies start in a true free market, they don't really have a chance to remain monopolies because there are no barriers to entry and other companies will come and be more profitable and create this competition that we're talking about and that is so important. And so I wonder if the um, real problem is in big government and the profitability of left-wing ideology. And if that is a problem, and I think it is, some of the things coming from the left-wing nowadays will make Orwell blush. <laughs> um, what are Republicans doing about it? What is the solution? And are they doing anything about it? Well, I, I agree with you. The, the, the reason these companies were um, really uh, uh, blossoming, I guess, if, in, I don't think I think of that as a positive term. I don't mean it as a positive term, but they grew to such an extent so quickly uh, during the Obama administration. First of all, uh, President Obama was the darling of uh, Silicon Valley. You know, he he was the first president that sort of uh, um, we, we look at uh, JFK as this telegenic president at the time when television was taking over, and, and Obama was, was this uh, president who took advantage of social media so well. And so uh, he brought in a lot of people from Silicon Valley and populated a lot of his agencies with those people, and they turned a blind eye to a lot of these mergers. If, if some of these mergers hadn't occurred, Instagram would be a great competitor uh, to Facebook. Instead, they are controlled by Facebook, owned by Facebook, uh, or Meta, or whatever they call the, the company now. But um, So I, I think that uh, government has played a serious role in allowing the problem to become uh, as great as it is right now. Um, I also think that the government um, uses these companies in a way that benefits leaders in government. They've done it in COVID. They've done it with other issues. Uh, so I, I think that uh, the this, the, really the concern about big government and uh, not big media, but big tech in this case, uh, is an absolutely valid concern and should be investigated. Um, the, one of the issues we have in Congress is we have such split jurisdiction in an area like this that we almost need a special committee. And I don't know whether Kevin's um, doing that or not doing that. I should say Speaker McCarthy. Uh, but uh, it, it is something that I think should be considered because ENC and judiciary need to work together uh, to address this issue. All right, we have time for two more questions. Uh, up here, Jake? Or, no, I'm okay. I just saw someone's hand in the back for a while. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. Hey, thank you, Congressman, so much. Rick Biamita from the Coalition for App Fairness. Uh, Kara, we loved your uh, paper on Big Tech's red herring and the national security arguments uh, that they've been using to fight against competition laws, not only in the United States, but in Europe, the UK, and around the world. So, Congressman, I was just wondering if you could speak to some of these arguments that they use that, uh, you know, by allowing more competition in the tech space, that somehow this would hurt our national security, when in fact, as Kara has pointed out, that, you know, it really could advance U.S. national security and interest. She's right. <laughs> I'll take it. We'll end here. Let's go. No, I think that it's, it's clear that, um, you know, they go out and they pay someone a million dollars. They get an op-ed in um, a, a news, uh, you know, Washington Post or something. And they say, oh, the big bad Chinese, they're going to come and, and they're going to take over the world if we actually allow competition in the marketplace. We know that competition is what uh, allows innovation, what spurs innovation. It's, it's a profit motive. If you can't get your company off the ground because you can't get investors because Amazon's going to crush you, 
then uh, we, we aren't going to have innovation in, in a lot of these areas. So uh, clearly a red herring, clearly uh, an issue that, um, you know, I think Mike Lee uh, wrote about it also, um, and, and others have written about, this is just ridiculous. Don't, don't pay attention to this argument that uh, the, these companies, and, and by the way, I've got a, a chapter entitled Hypocrisy, um, these companies go into China and they work with the Chinese. Google works with the Chinese on uh, a search engine that will suppress everything that the Communist Party doesn't want the Chinese people to see, and then refuses to work with our Department of Defense because they're offended that somehow um, empowering our military uh, with a, a visor, artificial intelligence visor that, that helps our military um, and, and protects our uh, soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors, uh, is, uh, is pro-war and offends their, their sensibilities. Um, you know, they, 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 they love China because they, they, can, they can, and then learned a lot from how the Chinese censor their people and how these companies want to censor our people. Last question? Yeah, Congressman, we had a live stream question that dovetails nicely with that about the brain drain that happens from elite universities to five or six big tech companies when perhaps in the 40s and 50s they would have gone to build key national security technology. Can you talk about how pernicious that effect is for young people who want to, you know, who want to be software engineers or engineers of other types and are offered, you know, $300,000 out of college uh, by Facebook and Google, uh, whereas some national security companies that are just starting can't, can't pay that same check? Sure. Well, I, I think it's a great point, although I have to tell you um, to suggest that there is any kind of brain drain at major universities when I've seen their woke curriculum and, and everything else, it's hard for me to believe there's much brain power at some of these universities when uh, we see critical race theory and other uh, um, ideological agendas being, being pushed there. But I, I do think that these companies, um, as Kara said earlier, they identify great engineers at a competitor and just offer them ridiculous money to come over. Um, they can be sitting and staring at a wall, but they're not gonna allow their competitor to uh, get a foot up with, with really good talent. And they're doing the same thing in, in these universities. They're taking a, a ton of great people uh, and, and using them um, in a way that promotes what they've got. But, but again, if we've, we've got true competition, we've got other companies making money and seeing profits, they can go compete. I don't mind anybody making $300,000 out, uh, out, of, out of college. It's twice my salary, but it doesn't <laughs> offend me at all that they're one day out of college making that much money. But I, I do think that uh, with competition, hopefully we increase salaries and we uh, give, give young students coming out of college uh, the opportunity to work for a variety of, of good companies, companies they can be proud of, companies that aren't body shaming, companies that, that aren't cheating in, in the marketplace, companies that are uh, making American products and, and uh, America stronger. All right, so we are at time, but sir, I'll give you the last word. Is there anything you want to leave everyone with before we tell them to, to go get their book signed? Um, well, first of all, thank you for being here, and, and uh, Kara, thank you for putting this together on, on short notice, and I know uh, you have family uh, to uh, watch, and, and um, we, we are praying for you and your family today. Um, I, I just uh, would encourage everyone to get involved. It, it, is, uh, it is frustrating to see people um, anywhere just come up to me and say, you know, I really feel strongly. You're right. Well, thanks. End of conversation. You know, <laughs> Be, be part of this solution. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that I've got the whole answer or even a, a small part of the answer, but if we don't deal with big tech very soon, we're going to have a big problem. 
completely agree. Thank you for coming. And the congressman uh, will be outside to sign books uh, as after this. So pick up your copy just outside the auditorium here. And thank you very much for coming, everyone online and here. Thank you.